Hello, I'm Anna Elliott and this is Blendle Handpicked. If you give me five minutes of your time, I'll give you three stories that stood out above all the rest this week. First up today is a jaw-dropping investigation from James Stewart, Matthew Goldstein and Jessica Silver-Greenberg into the billionaire Jeffrey Epstein, who has now been accused of sex trafficking. So Epstein has been in the news a lot recently for his alleged crimes. He's a convicted sex offender and recent serious allegations have landed him behind bars awaiting trial. But this investigation dives into another side of his life. Namely, his strange plan to spread his DNA through the human race by impregnating lots of women at his massive New Mexico ranch. That is a sentence you do not write every day. This whole story is baffling from beginning to end, and it opens a disturbing window into the world of the super-rich and just how far money can get you. Epstein apparently floated this plan to scientists and others over the years. These reporters spoke to more than 12 of his acquaintances to learn that he had managed to insinuate himself into an elite scientific community, including the likes of Stephen Hawking, Nobel Prize-winning physicist Murray Gell-Mann and Oliver Sacks. And how did he gain audiences with these giants? By dangling money and promising to fund their projects. He dazzled them by inviting them to fancy events on his private island and even a submarine, and was happy to fund research that others would find strange. A detail I very much enjoyed was that he bankrolled efforts to identify a mysterious particle that might trigger the feeling that someone is watching you. And then we get to his baby ranch plan. He intended to have 20 women at a time impregnated with his sperm in order to breed babies with his DNA, to strengthen the human gene pool. A lot of the scientists in this article say they were put off by his ideas, appalled by their whiff of Nazi eugenics. And yet, these events continued, which means they perhaps weren't as appalled as they say they were. There are more mind-blowing details in this eight-minute New York Times piece, and I thoroughly recommend you check it out. You won't find anything else quite like it. The link is in the show notes. Next up today, I've got some real science for you. It's a piece by physicist Zenka Kuncic in FT Weekend, and she implies that we've been going about artificial intelligence all wrong. So in the field of artificial intelligence, researchers program software in an attempt to simulate the brain's intelligence. But Kuncic's research is based on the idea of building a real-life synthetic brain, complete with neurons, that would think and learn in a similar way to our own human brains. A hardware-based approach, if you like. While artificial intelligence is limited to specific tasks and relies on a lot of carefully curated data, synthetic intelligence aims to replicate the way the brain sifts through the endless amounts of data thrown at it in real time. As a physicist, Kuntrich views the brain as an analog machine rather than an electric computer. And it's the sheer number of possible connections inside the brain that give rise to its astounding capabilities. Her key insight here is that intelligence is physical, so attempting to recreate it using algorithms can result only in poor imitation of human intelligence. The synthetic brain that Kunchich and her team are creating uses nanotechnology, essentially components that act in a different way at a tiny scale to how they would at a larger scale. And these components, when acting together, are capable of amazing things. She has even managed to show that her models are able to lay down short-term and long-term memories. Kunjic is careful to note that her system wouldn't replace AI. Indeed, modern artificially intelligent machines are capable of far more than the human brain, 
but it would be a step towards a better replication of human intelligence and decision-making. Her system may even one day become conscious. For more background information on this impressive research, check out the full seven-minute piece in Friday's FT Weekend. Finally today, I've got a story from Melissa Eddy in the New York Times that could just as easily have come out of the latest Netflix detective thriller. It's about an Austrian woman who was kidnapped and who then convinced her kidnapper not to kill her. Just thinking about this story gives me shivers. Last month, Natalie Burley, a 27-year-old professional racing cyclist and a new mother, was cycling near her home in Austria when a man rammed her with his car, got out, wrenched her from her bike, beat her severely, pulled her into his vehicle and bound and blindfolded her. Burley later said she was afraid he would kill her and bury her in the woods, but she was taken to his home and locked in a closet where she blacked out. She was injured and in pain, but when she came to, she managed to keep her wits about her. She became intent on finding a way to connect with the man who was threatening to kill her. Even after he toyed with her for hours, beating her, holding her head under in a cold tub of water, holding towels over her face as though he was suffocating her, Burley found it within herself to compliment him on the beautiful orchids she had noticed growing in the otherwise dark and grimy room. And that seemed to flip a switch in his brain. Suddenly, he was talking about how he watered them and the care required to keep them alive. He also told her about his cats and his family, and about the girlfriends who had betrayed him. She said she could help him by pretending he hadn't kidnapped her at all, and he agreed. They discussed how they would get their stories straight. The last moments of this piece had my heart thumping as though I were watching it on screen. When he starts to drive her home, he first turns in the opposite direction, and Burley again thinks this will be the end of her but eventually she ends up being driven back to her house. Burley's story could so easily have ended in tragedy, but by employing an improbable level of kindness towards the man who could so easily have been her murderer, she ended up alive. For more details on this stranger-than-fiction story, check out the full five-minute piece in last Wednesday's New York Times. Thanks for joining me for this week's Top Stories. Check out the show notes for the links to the articles. And if you want to read more, you can go to blendle.com and subscribe to the Daily Digest newsletter, which we send out at 8am Eastern. If you want to get in touch with your thoughts on the show, you can email me at editorial at blendle.com and you can follow us on Twitter at Blendle. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye.